let's talk about movies. When I think about movies, I think about prestige biased learning. Prestige biased learning is a way that all human children learn. It's a way that all humans learn. Part of what makes us so effective as a species in terms of reproduction and shaping our environment is culture. The ability for the group to form a memory that it can then use to build on previous generations, to build on things that previous generations have learned in order to affect their environment more wholly. And the reason we can do that as a species is due to social learning. You might think that we do intelligence better than the other apes in terms of individual intelligence, but if you put a chimpanzee against a five-year-old human in some basic spatial reasoning tasks and so on, the chimpanzee actually tends to do pretty well. What makes humans a little different is our ability to learn from each other. So, the thing that really, really makes that human child turn into something different than a lot of the other apes, or other animals for that matter, is this ability to learn from others. And part of how you learn from other humans is by tracking status, by seeing who is paid attention to for what purposes in the environment around you. Now, status, as I'm using the term here, has two forms that were popularized in a model by Bem, the anthropologist, that's a B-O-E-H-M, and these two aspects of status are dominance and prestige. Prestige is the kind of status that one has when people willingly give you the status, when you are well regarded, oftentimes because you have skill in a specific area or you're known for 
generosity, for providing for your tribe. Dominance is status that is gained by coercion or force or threat. So it's uh, more about a direct use of strength against another individual in the tribe or pack or so on. So when you have a child, that child is already tracking the prestige of everyone in the room. Another way we can look at this is by saying that children are really, really attuned to who's the cool adult, who's the cool adult, who's the coolest adult in the room. They're kind of always paying attention. And they're paying attention to what you're doing and why you seem to do it in terms of whose lead you're following. And this allows children and adults both to make decisions under uncertainty by looking at the coolest people in the room. Because historically, the people that would get the most prestige or dominance, the people who would have status in the tribe, are the people who were best at surviving in a group context. So either they're really strong and so it pays to to follow them when they're dominant um, because they will punish you if you don't follow them or in the case of prestige they are really competent and they know some things and so by following them and following their intuitions when you are unsure about what to do in a novel environment you will have groups that will perform better than if it, everyone was thinking purely for themselves. And over time, this adds up. So this is how you get technologies like fire or, or writing or farming pop up again and again. We look in history at people who were prestigious and their prestige even grows with time as they are dead. We all know who Socrates is, we all know who Machiavelli is, we all know who Jesus is. And as their prestige grows, even long past their deaths, we can use that marker of prestige to look at their lives, to look at their words as they left words, to look at their stories as they left stories, and try to mimic them for ourselves, to acquire a little bit of their competence. So when I think about movies, I think about prestige bias learning. Because for most of human history, prestige was tied to physical survival. Now, the larger your population gets and the safer it is to live in that population, the less this is the case. When ancient societies talk about decadence, I believe part of what they're talking about is the disconnect 
between prestige and survival. Now they may frame this as people losing virtue or losing sight of the good, but I believe that the good in this case is just your ability to adapt to the changing of environment around you. Your ability to mimic reality, or if you, or if you prefer, to look at the ways of God and follow. Now, if your actions are not as closely tied to survival, you don't have to follow the environment as much. Maybe you only start to pay attention to your part of the environment because food and shelter is forthcoming and is not wholly dependent on your ability to survive and thrive in a group of people who are also trying to survive in a harsh environment. So, if you have a society that is able to free themselves from this loop with the environment, this loop of survival, then you also have a society that can begin to give prestige to things that aren't as closely tied to survival. So we come back to the peacock's tail, which again doesn't seem to be as closely tied to survival, and yet it is in its way. However, there may come a time when the peacock might have a tail that's way too heavy and way too flashy, even for the peacock to survive if there's, say, slightly better predators in the area, or so on. So, in our current society, we've had effective materials post-scarcity for a couple decades now. By that I mean, at least in post-industrial countries, starving to death is not really a worry in the same way. You might not get proper nutrition, and you might have to scrounge and beg and steal, but you're not really worried about the environment killing you much. In fact, most of our deaths are from probably eating the wrong kinds of food that we are putting in our bodies, and the wrong, wrong kind of lifestyles. When I say wrong, I mean wrong in the sense of um, flourishing or being robust at survival. I do not mean some universal moral wrong, just that, you know, it's nice to be able to run and skip and so on if you want to survive in this world. And there are things you can do that make it harder for you to run and skip and pay attention to your environment. So, you have a society that is wealthy enough 
to allow even more of a separation between survival and prestige. You know, the society whose peacock's tail, so to speak, is growing bigger than ever before. And where do kids learn things from now? In the past, in a smaller society without a school system or anything like that, you typically have bands of kids roaming around kind of freely and people kind of freely just doing whatever it takes to survive in that environment. And say you have an adult fishing or an adult chopping some wood somewhere. And if a child is interested in that, driven by their natural curiosity, they will follow that adult around, especially if that adult seems to have status, especially if that adult seems to have status that pertains to the kind of status that that child gets. This relationship will then teach this child skills. And say one day the child feels like they've learned enough from this avenue, they might go to another adult, and this cycle just continues for life. You go to different people to learn different things in your tribe. Now, our tribes are no longer about 200 people or anything like that. They are millions, billions of people. You know, we come into contact with at least 2 or 3 billion people a day now, at least, with the internet being everywhere, or almost everywhere. You've seen, I'm sure, the TikTok videos of people in remote areas getting in with the trendy dances that have been happening. So it doesn't really matter if you're hurting some yaks somewhere or connected to you. So you have this giant tribe and the people that you look to learn things from are no longer the people around you, which produces a very different kind of relationship in the situation where you are in your village just following someone that's a two-way relationship the adult is probably directly interacting with you uh, as a child and, and you the child are getting to interact directly with the adult as you learn from them and part of the thing that that teaches is how important everything about that adult and the way they act is. Uh, now in our culture we try to separate skills from people. We try to think that if there's something that we dislike about someone that that wasn't necessary for them to get to the, the conclusions they came to or the skills or the inventions that they came up with. Um, a popular example is Isaac Newton, a lot of atheists or science believers tend to dismiss Newton's strong experience, strong hobby, strong occupation with alchemy, even though the models that he got from alchemy probably contributed to how he came up with the models that led to modern-day physics. And so we're always kind of 
trying to pick and choose now um, in the Vajrayana Buddhist lineage in the United States. There are a lot of Vajrayana teachers who were associated with scandals, uh, both alcohol and sex scandals. When people try to distance themselves from that, they try to take the teachings without the, the lives of those teachers into account or they do and because of that they reject all that teaching when in fact a lot of the, the what's valuable about that line of Vajrayana Buddhism to me is that they are perpetuated by people who were very much people that is they like to do things that people like to do like uh, have sex with people or drink alcohol and they were dealing with that reality and so the tools they came up with have that as a context whereas if you have um, teachers from a more uh, ascetic lineage the tools they're coming up with have to do with you know living in a monastery where you don't have those other temptations or the other information that you get from drugs or sex or money. So today we try to separate all that and the thing that we've really separated in the last 10 years from general competence it seems like to me is prestige. So there are people that are known now most famously, Kim Kardashian might, might have been the first one. People who are known for being famous. They weren't known for being good at carpentry or being a good doctor or anything like that. They were known for being someone. Just like that. And what that does is it separates this category of prestige from the category of people you can learn from to live your life in a way that feels like flourishing to you. Because if what you're trying to learn from is Kim Kardashian, uh, no insult to Kim Kardashian at all, I'm sure she's act actually extremely generally competent as a human being, you don't get that, get to that level without doing something right, but In fact remains if you go out there and your goal is just to become famous then you might not necessarily pick up the, the same sets of skills and this is fine except that a lack of general competence a lack of ability to adapt to your environment builds resentment in the self over time if you find that the everyday world you live in is somehow too much for you to handle repeatedly 
that can be very soul crushing if you don't have a mindset to deal with that and a lot of times if you're learning from people who are prestigious for the sake of being prestigious alone that mindset is not necessarily there as much you can see this in movies so talking about all this prestige if it isn't clear it's lead up to the fact that in today's world most kids are learning from what they see on TV and in the movies they find that the most prestigious person is not a person they know personally but is a person on on the screen a person far away from their everyday reality and because in both fiction and non-fiction what people like is drama again because in the past that drama would just be you tracking all the relationships in your tribe that that which is like a very important part of sticking together which you need to do to survive because we don't need to stick together to survive as much or we, at least we have the illusion of not needing to because of things like uh, money and economic specialization because of that you don't get the need of tracking everyone in your community so you track fictional communities even more than we used to and similarly we learn from what we see in these fictions whether that's literal fiction or reality tv or just tabloid style news and the issue with that is that what makes for good drama is not necessarily what makes for a all-around competent human being a great example is the number of arguments you can see in ensemble action films or fantasy fiction um science fiction and so on But a lot of times it's a bunch of people butting heads at each other uh and being really petty in order to to get that drama so that you're involved in the the conflict of the scene that's happening in front of you this is hilarious to me when it's portraying say special forces units or you know, even superhero teams uh i can't imagine how you would have a group like that that would do its job competently while also having spats of the kind that they tend to have on screen um on top of that prestige bias learning means we we learn the movements of people as well so if you have someone on the screen chopping tomatoes in a really cool way or a way that looks really cool if you don't know anything about chopping tomatoes but doesn't actually work to chop tomatoes that's going to significantly uh negatively impact your ability to chop tomatoes in the future if you thought that was really cool because a part of you will be like 
Well, this is how a prestigious person does it. And so this is how I'm going to do it. You can think about shooting a gun sideways in a way that is often associated with people in urban gangs. That is a great example of doing something because it looks cool as opposed to because it works. Though, if your aim is to look cool, then it does certainly work. So, what I'm hoping to see in the world is more movies that pay attention to the little details. There was a movie that came out some years ago called Act of Valor, and it was essentially a propaganda film for the United States military. Most of the actors within it were actual Navy SEALs. So all the choreography and the way they do things in that film is pretty good. Like it, you can use that as a training video even. So I'd like to see more of that for everything. It, it doesn't take much, I think, uh, in terms of cost to have actors learn the basics of the skills a little more than they normally would. It's just a question of shifting emphasis or picking actors based on the skills they already have, which is already done to some extent. We just do it more. So that when people see something on screen, they're able to get more competence out of it. This, over time, I think, would make a significant difference in the amount of anxiety that people feel every day because of the incompetence they might feel at dealing with unfamiliar situations. Because if you tried to do things that you saw prestigious people do as a child, and, and those prestigious people were characters uh, meant to be dramatic, then you might find that it's more useful for you to look like you're in distress than it is to calmly take care of the situation in front of you. And over time, this builds resentment in yourself because a part of you knows that you didn't have to create all this noise. You didn't have to sit there and cry for five minutes when the uh, car keys were lost. You could have maybe remembered seeing something like The Martian or, or some other competence porn movie where someone carefully divided the sector of the rooms um, into, yeah, caref carefully divided the rooms into sectors and slowly and methodically searched all of it. And so because of seeing that over time, over and over again in your life, you might then think to do that instead of breaking down and crying. Not that there's anything wrong with breaking down and crying. If that is what you feel, you should do that. But that there are options outside of the dramatic option. That there are ways of dealing with the world that involve just doing it, as the Nike slogan says. And if we had more exposure to prestigious individuals who 
were also generally competent, then we would be more inclined to act out that incompetence when we found ourselves in a surprising or unfamiliar situation. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoy fiction and films and comics and novels. And I do think that every single one of them has an important lesson to teach, mostly about the morals of the culture that has produced this art. And I would like to see even more of that going forward. It's just that I would also like to see this new kind of film, this competence porn, if you will, thrown into the mix so that on top of learning values from stories, which is what we predominantly use them for now, as well as to fulfill a lot of social needs that aren't being fulfilled, that in addition to that, we prepare more of the next generation for dealing with the world in front of them. And remember that this is not exactly a new impulse. In fact, in the past, this, this would have been perfectly normal. One of the most common genres in the 17th century was how-to books. If you look at the internet today in terms of how much content is out there, a lot of it is how-tos as well. And so all I'm proposing is that we make more art that doubles as a how-to so that when you're watching the heroine do something adventurous and dramatic, you're also learning archery or conflict resolution.